submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. We call this podcast, Are You a Fan of the Dark? This week on Are You a Fan of the Dark, we're revisiting the episode, The Tale of the Phantom Cab. So, Jody, what do you remember about The Tale of the Phantom Cab? So, I saw this one way later. I never realized this was the first episode. Because, again, I didn't pick up on these until much later on in the retellings of the series. So, what I remember basically out of this is that there's a bunch of, there's two kids, I think, lost in the woods. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the, the first time they meet Professor Vink. And he's uh, some estranged hobo who's living back in the backwoods log cabin <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Or castle? Oh, something. A castle <laughs> in the woods? Ooh, ooh, ooh. No, he's got some sort of weird place. Like, I remember that it had it's a, weird lab a gate, or and I remember there was, uh, like, all sorts of bubbling potions and things. I, I I remember that the kids were freaking out, and I, I don't actually remember the cab much at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really where I remember most of this, is that they're wandering through the woods, they're lost completely, they run into Dr. Vink, that he eventually gets them out, and I'm gonna guess, based off the title, uh, that there's something to do with a cab <laughs> after that point. That That is where most of my brain goes to this one. That's yeah. about all I got. That That's pretty much where I'm at, too. I don't remember it at all. It's probably got fighting siblings because that's most of our user of the dark. Fighting siblings. What trope? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I vaguely remember a cab. I remember thinking he reminded me of the guy from Scrooge. Oh, God. The cab the driver of, in Scrooge. What an awesome Christmas character. Christmas Past or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that guy. I doubt he's actually like that. I'm sure. <laughs> we'll see. Much so, better actor in Scrooge. Before we settle in to watch... Let's have a word from our retro sponsor of the week. This week's episode brought to you by Clearly Canadian. We figured Clearly Canadian was a good choice because Are You Afraid of the Dark is Clearly Canadian. Death glare. Think of a land where grand mountains, cold, fresh waters, lush green forests, and ripe fruits blend together in perfect harmony. Think pure, sparkling water imported from Canada with natural fruit flavors. Think clearly Canadian. Now, drink that thought. Clearly Canadian. Made with imported Canadian water. Thank you, sponsor. So, for our Clearly Canadian this week, we have both the wild cherry and the blackberry, and we're going to, of course, do a retro taste test. Are you ready, Jody? My bottle says Bam Be Good. Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Let's anyway, go. <laughs> you can get these at World Market. I don't know how long they're going to be there because Clearly Canadian um, just came back. So if you want it, two fifty a bottle, World Market. I have the wild cherry. You have the blackberry. Of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> let's open the carbonated beverage it's and pretend so that's going to not fizz. Yep. So I've had Clearly Canadian. I drank it a lot as a kid. How do you open this thing? It's a twist cap. And um, I used to drink it over at my grandmother's house because she thought it was healthy. It's not. It's mineral water, right? It it is not mineral water. It's sugar water. It's Canadian. That must make it good. Carbonated Canadian spring water, pure cane sugar, natural flavoring, citric acid. So kids, if you can, tell your parents it's spring water and imported. That'll make it fancy. Pretty much. All right, and now we're putting it in our mouths. Oh, God, it burns. Well, it tastes just like I remember. <laughs> I haven't had this in over 25 years. All right, so <laughs> I 
not bad, actually. Um, it it is definitely soda. <laughs> <laughs> you want to try the cherry? Oh, please. Oh, it tastes like cotton candy. <laughs> Okay, guys. Uh, so yeah, clearly Canadian. Uh, go get this stuff. Actually, not bad at all. I it, would recommend. As far as terrible '90s foods go, yeah. I I would take this over some of what I think is going to be coming our way. If we could find orbits. No. <laughs> let's not. All right, back to the show. We just finished watching The Tale of the Phantom Cab. Here's a few production notes. The original air date was August 15, 1992. This was the first episode to air in America. The episode was written by Chloe Brown and directed by Ron Oliver. Now, this episode, we're introduced to everybody not very well at all, literally. They're bringing somebody new into the fold, and he tells his story to try and get into the Midnight Society. But we get no history, we barely get any introductions, and that's even at the end. So, Jody, what are some of your uh, thoughts and impressions? <laughs> Well, I actually really like the fact that they did the uh, new member being pulled into it. Uh, opening, it's classic, it's cheesy, it lets everybody know, hey, we're a group without it being too awkward, but you don't need to know a lot of the snuff and fuff, even though it might be nice to know who all these people are. Obviously, the only thing that matters is the story. <laughs> yeah. The thing that I noticed when this episode first started was that the intro was different, like completely different from everything that I've known of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because it opened with the Twilight Zone door. It was super weird. Yes. Oh, God. So, yeah, if you haven't watched that, everyone listening, uh, this is, there's definitely a really bad reference to the, the Twilight Zone's original opening. <laughs> yeah, so you get past the intro, and then you have Gary doing a monologue. You don't know his name is Gary yet. And he's being such a freaking drama queen. He's saying, like, oh, we have one thing in common, and that's the dark. We all gather to tell stories, blah de blah, blah And he sounds almost exactly like Rod Serling. Yeah. I did like that it was kind of a PSA, though, that we're all the same in the shadows. Like, when you go to the dark and you can't see skin, we're all the same people. Yeah, but the acting, like, you can tell these kids don't have a lot of experience. They're very bad. It looks like a middle school play. That's what I was noticing. <laughs> A little bit. Sidling up to each other, like, very, very consciously being face forward to the camera. Like, it just it looked really bad. It doesn't get much better later on, but, you know, it was the 90s and it was good enough. We're going to see that one because my memory tells me that there was some good acting in some of these later episodes. And I suspect heavily that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, well, even in this one, there was Dr. Ving did some good acting, but we'll get to him. Like we said, they're they're introducing a new character into the fold, and you know, I after would be Frank, yeah, after Gary does his thing, they don't like the idea of introducing a new guy. But when Frank comes up, he's got a bandana on his face, so we can't see where he's going, and he's obviously like a tough guy because he's wearing a jean jacket with ripped sleeves, yep. and it's off one shoulder the entire time, and it makes me really mad. <laughs> Asymmetry does that to some people. I just want to scream at him, "Fix your vest, fix it." And all the boys have very fluffy hair. Did you notice that? It's all Not like... Frank. His is very slick back. No, it wasn't slick. It's, it was still it's really fluffy. Fluffed. So they're all sitting around the campfire and they're waiting for Frank to tell his story. And the guy that's bringing him in is vouching for him. And everybody's like, oh, I don't know if this guy's going to be getting good. And we I... have... Oh, what? I was going to say, I love how over the top all of this is, too. You've got all these young kids sitting around who are, you know, mid-teens going in and they're everything is life and death you must join 
you had better do such a good job or you're going to leave and never come back. It's like a, a super secret society or cult. Well, it was such a real thing when you were a teenager. Like, At least it wasn't when I was a teenager. Everything was like do or die and it had to be so, so serious. So I love that that's still the case in this because it's just comical. It's so truly comical. And then we finally have the first throwing of the midnight dust. Mm-hmm. And it did its classic food Coffee creamer. And Jody couldn't get over the fact that it definitely looked like a propane fire. <laughs> it wasn't real. <laughs> well, it's a kid's show. I have made many fires. This is not a real fire. Uh, and the opening shot, you know, this kid walking through a puddle and those damn shoes. <laughs> oh, I Those look. high tops. Oh, they were beautiful. <laughs> but but let's take a minute to just recap on the two main uh, the two main characters of the actual story, which are the two brothers, Denny and Buzz. He's sporting the '90s trend of my hats on some direction that's not facing forward. The tiny tiny bill. The tiny bill, so it doesn't do its job at all. He's got a button-up shirt over a t-shirt, like a sleeveless button-up shirt. <laughs> and then there's and and by the way, that's that's Denny. <laughs> that's denny yeah buzz the guy you expect to be the jock no he's the much younger brother who's running around in a colorful kid's backpack he's a little wiener kid <laughs> <laughs> in a bright yellow shirt and i'm going out on my first hike shorts of tan that go past or just above the knee <laughs> but they're not on their first hike because well they might be i don't know but the little brother is really annoying oh god he's super annoying so they're just out on a hike and they're like piddling through the forest being dumb kids and of course the navigator buzz doesn't know how to use his, his... giant topographic map <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculously huge denny is sitting there and he unfolds the map and he's holding it just under his chin and it goes all the way to the floor you can tell <laughs> like it looks like they're dressed for a day hike like the denny doesn't have a backpack buzz does but they're both not wearing hiking shoes where no. the fuck were they going with a giant topographic map and they get lost somehow yeah, the, like, <laughs> who prepared them for this? Like, yeah. this was the, I'm going to grab all the stuff that I would need to go out for a year, but I'm dressed to go out on a nice little stroll by the creek outside. Yeah. Lovely. And then, for whatever reason, Buzz puts the map down and then sort of spills water on it, but not really. Like, I didn't see any water touch that thing. Like, I think his canteen spills. I, or he steps in a puddle. Well, I <laughs> didn't see, like, whatever. <laughs> But anywho, so yeah, then Buzz wanders, you know, away in shame and then immediately falls off the cliff <laughs> that was just there. <laughs> yeah. Oops. But that was it. That was uh, after he said, man, this is whacked. <laughs> man, this is whacked. I would I would actually like to point out that I loved the I can't act staging that was going on through most of this because yeah. you can tell it's the, their first performances and they would stand face where their camera was supposed to be and you could almost see the like I'm going to deliver Shakespeare posing that was going on where they would sit there and be like yes the ground is red <laughs> Just, yeah <laughs> that is whacked and they're always like their mouths are always slightly agape like Haley Joel Osment was Oh, I hate that. So the kids, they're lost. They're wandering around. They figure out that Buzz has been using his compass wrong because he's been holding it near his belt buckle. I, I would still like to go back to the cliff real fast. So when Buzz falls off the cliff, he's sitting there 
holding on for dear life, his kick- feet kicking over the empty abyss of death, and then his brother runs down, looks at him, and says, Grab my hand! He's right over the top of him. Grab your brother, for the love of God! He says, like, give me your hand, you turd, even. <laughs> like... <laughs> they clearly do not like each other. Why are they hiking together? It doesn't make any sense. But we were just as good as him sitting there and being like, could you just climb up already? I mean, do I need to rescue you? Really? <laughs> yeah, it was it was terrible. Denny's yelling at his little brother like a fucking jerk. He's terrible. <laughs> terrible older brother. And uh, eventually they come upon some guy walking towards them because darkness falls. Some guy with a flashlight walks up to them and in the uh, typical 90s way, they're like, is it a forest ranger? Well, because, you know, whenever you see a man approaching you out, uh, from out of the woods with a light on, you better hope it's a forest ranger, typically. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Denny's delivery of, hey, can you help us? Well, lower the light, man. Like, he didn't even breathe between his lines. <laughs> but so instead, we are now introduced to Flynn, the erstwhile guy who wanders the woods and knows them very well. Yeah, he's <laughs> very, very creepy, and he's very touchy with those boys. <laughs> He's very friendly. Uh, I don't like his hat. I don't like him touching those children. <laughs> and Denny is kind of impartial to him. And Buzz is just kind of like, no, we shouldn't follow him. We just shouldn't. <laughs> this seems like a bad idea. And I agree with him. Yeah, he's kind of got that sleazy drug dealer uh, used car salesman vibe. Hey, guys, let me show you something. I'll help you out. <laughs> oh, I was reading pedo, like, majorly. It was gross. <laughs> yes, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Denny decides to tell Buzz to shut up and is like, I can take this guy if something goes wrong. Flynn tells them that he knows a doctor that lives in the woods that can help them. (laughs) And uh, the kids are kind of both like, a doctor who lives in the woods? That's very weird. And then Flynn starts saying weird crap, like, hope you boys are good at riddles. Yeah, I think there was a couple of major points that need to be examined. I mean, they're saying it's cold and that they're lost. All right. That's great. There's no plumes of breath that's... They're sitting around (laughs) running through with short sleeves. It wasn't... I mean, Flynn's wearing a big heavy jacket, but it can't be that cold. (laughs) And they go through a moment to establish how to actually use a compass, which means at this point they should be using the compass to go back where they're supposed to actually be. And they have the world's atlas topographical map to go off of. (laughs) At least tell them, hey, there should be a town if I go to the north somewhere. Yeah. So Flynn leads the boys to this creepy, broken-down cottage in the middle of the woods, and he keeps being cryptic. Then he mysteriously disappears when the boys turn around to try and find him again. Now, when they first show up at the cabin, it's sort of podunk little thing. It's dilapidated. It's, it, it is a waddle-and-dab clay house with the worst door that will keep no heat in. <laughs> With light coming through it. <laughs> All the cracks, doesn't touch the ground, you know, free swinging, I could have put hay up, it would have been better. It looks terrible and awful. And this is where the doctor lives. This seems legit. <laughs> yeah. This is his retreat home. And then mysterious bush movement and sounds <laughs> from the, the nearby, actually well-maintained foliage uh, with the really nice little wooden gate, or sorry, fence that is bordering off the property line surprisingly well maintained although you know it's not just like weird sounds it's like actual screams coming from the bushes and denny's like "Hmm, must be raccoons (laughs) (laughs) i've never heard a raccoon scream like that or shake a bush like that 
I don't know. Like, come to this house. Oh, good. Horrible things are happening at this house. I think my you know response would be, I'll I'll take the woods. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I can Instead, live in there overnight. Then he's like, uh, maybe he's got a phone. Yeah. Like, where did you see the telephone wires to give you that this idea would work? The two of them run screaming up to the door and then futilely slap their palms. Oh yeah. In the most ineffectual way possible. Like, I don't mean to be rude here, but like, there's not there. It was very obvious the door was just put up there (laughs) because they're afraid to strike it. You can tell when they get up there, they're just pattering at the thing. Oh, yeah, because then when it opens, like, it's this classic shot of both of them with these wide-eyed, like, scared expressions, arms straight up, like, ooh, what are we doing? And who opened the door, Jody? It's Dr. Vink. Dr. Fink? Dr. Vink with a v v v v Dr. Vink opens the door. Dr. Vink being played by Aaron Tager. And he's creepy as hell. <laughs> he Lovely looks... character, actually. He's like an evil Hagrid. That's what he looks like. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. What a wonderfully apt comparison. He's t- maybe not evil. No. Well, no, he's Vink's evil. Vink's evil. Vink's pretty Vink's evil. evil. <laughs> but yes, he's very much an evil Hagrid. Instead of dealing with the uh, random animals uh, to to raise them, he's just about dissecting them and studying their internal workings. Yeah, and he looks like all scary because he's all unkempt. He got a big bushy beard, long hair, and his sweater's all moth-eaten. And yep, very tattered. He just looks scary, and of course, he just ushers the boys right in, and the boys are like, "Well, I guess this is what we do now." <laughs> I love that his intro is actually to tell them they've made a mistake. Just straight <laughs> off the bat. There's no candy coating here. Nope. You made a serious error in judgment, children. So come into my house. <laughs> and he, of course, does the villainous looks over his shoulder. Make sure no one else is watching. <laughs> and closes the door behind them. Crazy Celtic flute music starts because it's whimsical and weird (laughs) and you see the interior of vink's cottage and it's full of all these apothecary jars and formaldehyde specimens but they're all in weird primary colors i think he's just showing off his food color collection (laughs) yeah i was gonna say this is definitely the i have spent so much money on food coloring that we never used location to pour into liquids here what are you doing with all of those colors (laughs) but he goes on to tell the kids that he's just this humble doctor that wants to be away from people to conduct his research he studies the flora and the fauna to which stupid buzz is like who the smart one by the way that's that's not the jock again just want to reiterate yeah this child's supposed to be a genius and no (laughs) no no not so much still six years old Oh, <laughs> and Vink gets all excited about talking about his experiments, about how he discovered that the brain still has electric impulses after death. And it just made me mad because I'm like, you didn't discover shit, Vink. That existed forever. So but, chill the fuck out. <laughs> but back in the 90s where you could still call on phones without any telephone wires. Or... <laughs> how do you think he gets outgoing messages? I wasn't paying too much attention to the blathering and the boys being dumb. But somewhere in there, I assume that they're like, do you have a phone? And he says that he does. That was actually a really nice little point. So, of course, Vink starts questioning about riddles because if Vink has anything that he really likes to talk about, it's riddles. And after a nice easy one, which Buzz gets immediately, he says, I want one more. And Denny, of course, cuts to the chase and says, no, let us use the phone. And it's an old, very much 19... Turn of the century, like one of those crank phones. Original full box phone. (laughs) 
With uh, that separate earpiece. That doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Again, there's no telephone wires. But these boys don't pay attention to those things. So he threatens to cut the cord to the phone with a pair of garden shears. <laughs> yeah, that are just sitting there next to the phone. Which, well, you know he's done this before. <laughs> it's like, people come around all the time. I'm going to threaten them every single and he like <laughs> he even mentions that there have been many others so he's got this prepped in his head like he has when he first enters there's tea so he can make hot tea and make conversation and be polite and then after they've solved the initial riddle he goes over to the phone where he picks up the shears and threatens them to make sure they solve the second riddle and that's like you know station three and then he puts <laughs> the shears back down then he goes to station four which is the actual riddle where he pulls out the barrel and i've got the notes on this one so i can read it what is weightless can be seen by the naked eye and when Put into this barrel makes it lighter. I love this riddle, but I did this first thing too, where it's helium, a helium. gas that makes things float. Why not? The boys have no idea. Of course, Denny has no idea because he's just a dumb idiot. And Buzz actually tries to think about it. He just really doesn't try. I keep going back to Gollum's puzzle to Frodo. You know, oh, yeah. Uh, a lock without hinges, key, nor lid. Eggs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you ruined it. Eggs is not the answer to this one. But... No. So they can't answer answer the puzzle, and so Vink looks very disappointed and then decides to go sit down and read and kind of give the boys the cold shoulder. Well, so that's the deal. They solve the puzzle and they can make the phone call and get picked up by their parents. Or, out of the house, you two. Since they can't solve it, they are kicked mercilessly out to the curb, but not before Vink reveals that there is a road and a taxi cab that'll pick them up if they have to hurry. Yeah, so they don't believe him about the cab, and he's like, well, you have one more option. But, you know, I'm always looking for stuff for my experiments. Specimens. Specimens. And it's this big old dramatic reveal. They ask what they could possibly give. And what does he do, Jody? Well, he measures uh, Dan- or, sorry, Buzz's forehead first because he wants to check the uh, circumference of his skull. skull. <laughs> Uh, see if his cranium can actually contain a worthy enough brain. But he says he's willing to negotiate on exactly what specimens to take off. And then he pulls out the most ridiculous growing hand in a bottle. Yeah, <laughs> this jar that just has this floating hand in it. And it's just such a fake hand. It's lo- like they didn't take the time to paint blood on the stump or no. anything else or like hint at bones. No, it's just lit- one of those throw it into a jar of water and it grows type of yeah, hands that's obviously like just been in there. It's from House on Haunted Hill or Eddie in Rocky Horror Picture Show. It looks so fake. So fake. But the boys scream and run anyway. And Vink laughs maniacally. <laughs> so the boys As you do. Yeah, go running out in the woods and they're like, well, that was crazy. And while they're walking along, they do eventually find the road and they're like, no, nah, that cab can't exist. Cabs don't come into the woods. And of course, as soon as they say that, they see headlights in the distance and this cab pulls up to them. When lo and behold, who should be inside of it but Flynn, the erstwhile riddle wanderer. Yeah, the <laughs> creepy pedo dude. Who's very happy to see them. Except he doesn't look as good as he did before. At least before he had some, you know, skin tone. <laughs> this time Color. he looks very uh, pale. <laughs> it was a cold night. Sometimes that makes the blood run away from your body. In this case, we find out very quickly that that's not the case. There's apparently been several guests that have been coming down to Vink's house for some time. Flynn was actually the first. And unfortunately, Vink has a very particular way of dealing with his guests. 
Uh, he's all about those riddles, and if you can't solve them, it is a life-or-death scenario for you. Flynn couldn't solve them, so... Yeah, Flynn was <laughs> apparently a cab driver that crossed Vink, and he didn't answer the puzzle, and so he got into an accident, crashed into a tree, and Vink took his hand for his experiments, but every night now Flynn is cursed to drive this cab, pick up the people that couldn't answer the riddle, and so they crash with him, and that's how Vink gets his specimens. <laughs> And and that is the mysterious voices in the bushes. Not raccoons, mind yeah, you, no, but not, the spirits of the raccoons. lost, well, whoever wandered up there. Oh, we forgot about the uh, cut back to the Midnight Society. Oh, That was before oh, the cab God, reveal. Please. So it was great because you cut back to the Midnight Society and all the kids are basically screaming at Frank like, This is a riddle that you can't solve! That's not fair! So, yeah, there's at least three or four mentions of them being like, What an odd riddle. It sounds like it's not solvable. My God, this is a very difficult riddle. I don't know if there's an actual answer to this riddle. And then Kiki, yeah, does this... <laughs> It's a dramatic cut to Kiki. Sounds like one of those riddles you can't solve. She's got and just like the stink eye thing going on. <laughs> and you're just waiting for her to continue because it's obvious she has some sort of unfolding plot to develop. Yeah. And then... Nothing. It holds. <laughs> and the camera cuts away because they're apparently lost that she didn't continue either. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go back to the story. And There's the dramatic reveal. Uh, from Flynn that he's dead when he turns his head around without moving the rest of his body yeah. and faces them and screams, I'm kind of dead! <laughs> yeah, and holds up his stump, which is really just the end of his sleeve with no hand in it, which is <laughs> just slid his hand down. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh. like every little kid does when they pretend they don't have a hand. <laughs> but yeah, so there's the that dramatic reveal, and then of course the hint of the razor coming down towards their necks, as if they were on a guillotine, when he tells them, "You have thirty seconds or so to figure out the riddle before uh, I drive us into that tree uh, down yonder, and we make a wonderful explosion, lovely." <laughs> yeah, and they're they're driving, and the the tension is mounting, and they drive past like a warning sign, <laughs> like, danger, danger, Will so Robinson, random trees live out here in the forest and buzz is racking his brain to try and find the answer and then he finds the answer and then spends like 20 seconds going like i know the answer what what's the answer what's the answer and let, let me recap the riddle first okay he's not even like harried about it the entire time he's actually very calm like so it's visible to naked eye it'll make the barrel lighter and you can see it there's only one answer and everybody is screaming at him as what they're is towards this tree at the end of the road and then he screams it's a hole yeah there's a lovely cutscene of the cab rushing at full tilt to the tree and then the tree blocks the view and then the two kids sprawl out in front of uh, where the cab would obviously have crashed headlong in an immense explosion that probably would have just really really hurt <laughs> yep so then they get up, they realize they're not dead, they have an awkward bro hug. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> like, Denny actually spins his little brother around them, he's like, whoa, hey, no homo. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a deep brotherly clench, and then push off both of them hands up, like, yeah, I didn't touch you, okay? <laughs> Don't tell mom. <laughs> yeah, and then they're standing there, as they're standing there, more headlights come up on them, and they're like, oh no, not again, when the headlights look nothing like the cab headlights at all. You can tell it's a Jeep. It's version two. You know, you get a cab the first time, you get a Jeep the second time. Then it's a forest ranger, and hey, are you the so-and-so boys? We've been looking all over for you. Get in the Jeep. And they do, and that's the end. And they're all happy. What? No, there's the closeout. <laughs> Where have you boys been up to? Hey, forest ranger. 
how are you with riddles? Uh, Thank you, Buzz. Go home. Frank ends the story saying, like, that the boys tried to bring the police back to Vink's cottage, and when they got there, it was just a stone foundation covered in weeds. That's the end of Frank's story. (laughs) So then the Midnight Society uh, gets to vote to see if Frank's story was good enough to bring in uh, a new member. And, of course, it has to be unanimous, and of course it is, uh, even if I think it's Eric is uh, a little bit like, all right. That's the only way that you find out everybody's names. So that's when you're introduced to Gary, Betty Ann, Kiki, Kristen, David, Eric, and of course, Frank. 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 Then they're all like, yeah, welcome to the Midnight Society. And that's it. So what were your overall thoughts on this? Um, It's definitely not my favorite because it's not scary. <laughs> on a scary rating, it's like negative two. It was more silly and weird than scary. I don't know if it was because of the production value or what. It was just, it just was not scary to me, even when I first saw it. Because I know I saw this one as a kid too. And it was like, man. As far as first episodes go, I think this is... um. Much like we have, uh, you kind of have to get your foot in the door and go with the episode and just see where it takes you before you can really start ironing things out. And that's definitely what this felt like to me, too, um, where it's, I've got an idea, let's roll with it, and let's see how it actually goes. And that is that is exactly what they did. There are tons of acting issues and story issues, and you can see that there was a central core and thought processes they were going for that worked out, but this is definitely needs a little bit more ironing out to get a, a oh, good, yeah. good, good production done. So, I have a few little bits of trivia for this, and it's some stuff that we've already gone over. This is one of 21 episodes where the Midnight Society didn't leave and douse the fire with the water bucket. They just left it. This was one of five episodes to feature a different opening, a very different opening. You are now escaping into the Twilight Zone. Uh, and of course, this is the first episode with Dr. Vink. Yep. <laughs> Still one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, also, just so you know, a lot of this trivia that I'm finding is on the Are You Afraid of the Dark wiki. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Um, so a little bit more about some of the actors. So Aaron Tager, the one who played Dr. Vink, mm-hmm. he's done a lot of voiceover work. Nothing like super duper notable. Well, for us. Yeah, but I guess he was in the Donkey Kong Country animated series or something. Get out. They had an animated series. Yeah. And he was also in Sam and Max, which I didn't watch a lot, but it was on UPN in the late 90s. And then <laughs> Brian Dooley, who was, uh, he played Flynn. Our erstwhile forest wanderer. Yes. Apparently, because Jody thought he recognized him, so we looked up his IMDb. And uh, he was a producer for a show called $100 Taxi Ride. What are the odds, right? (laughs) $100 Taxi Ride was just a show where you give the cabbie $100. About $100 and then see how far they will take you. And show you stuff. Uh, It wasn't very popular. Yeah, it was the sights of the city type of show. But it's just pretty great that he was a taxi driver in this and then he goes and produces a show about taxi drivers. Almost like he got the idea from somewhere. (laughs) (gasps) Yes. That's it for Tale of the Phantom Cab. Any final thoughts? As far as first episodes go, again, not bad, I would say. (laughs) Definitely not anywhere near as polished as we see a lot nowadays. But uh, for the time frame, (laughs) for, for a kid's show, okay. They get a lot better from here. (laughs) Yes, they do. So thank you all for listening. I'm Dale. And I'm Jody. And I now declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. 
If you want to share any questions, comments, or even just want to share your own story about Are You Afraid of the Dark, feel free to email us at areyouafanofthedark at hotmail.com. We're also available on Facebook at Are You a Fan of the Dark Pod, and we'll soon have links to show notes. Feel free to rate, review, subscribe. Always remember, don't be afraid of the dark. Be a fan of the dark.